Stephen. Hey, Richie. The tables have turned, my friend. Oh, Lord, they have, and I can feel it. <laughs> I think the table hit me in the face as you were turning it. <laughs> So usually the way it works, the, the time difference, the eight hour time difference between San Francisco and Dublin works in, in such a way that I'm recording in the morning and you're recording in the evening. But now, for some for for some reason, you're the sleepy morning boy and I'm the chilled out evening man. Yeah. And not only the sleepy morning boy, but like the 6 a.m. still darkness. The world is still asleep. The buses haven't started yet. My dogs are looking at me going, what the hell are you doing up? That's how early. <laughs> Can I describe, so that's what, that's what your environment looks like right now. Steve, can I describe for you what my environment looks like right now? Go ahead. So I'm wearing a soft velour onesie in the deepest of burgundy. <laughs> and my initials are embroidered on it in gold across my chest. Right. And Steve, shh, shh, Steve, listen. Do you hear that? Do you hear that, Steve? Huh? It's the soft crackle of an open fire. <laughs> now, uh, you, you probably didn't hear it because you didn't hear it over the soft, sultry sounds of that smooth jazz I'm also playing on vinyl <laughs> in this beautiful drawing room that I'm recording this podcast in. Oh, you didn't get the quartet to play live this time? No, no, I gave I gave them the evening off because oh, this is yeah, evening yeah. time and evening time is Richie's time. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's, uh... Steve, Steve, can you, can you see what's propped up on my lap, Stephen? Why, it's a letter-bound copy of James Joyce's Ulysses. <laughs> Why is it upside down? You know, it's a difficult book, okay? <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> You'll really appreciate it. James Joyce wrote it in such a way, he's kind of like Da Vinci, he wrote it in such a way that the true meaning of it can be found when you read it upside down. <laughs> and have you managed to find the true meaning of it? No, because what I've, if you look closely at this copy of James Joyce's Ulysses, you'll see that there's a, a copy of um, a Batman comic hidden on the inside, <laughs> which is what I've actually been reading. <laughs> That's fair enough. Can I ask, why is your uh, initials in big lettering across your chest as more like a superhero when it's supposed to be like small little classy things like just over your breast? Yeah, that's for poor people. Poor people who uh, can't afford a lot of gold embroidery. Uh, I can afford a lot of gold embroidery. Wow. So it's mostly gold at this point. There's very little burgundy in this velour onesie. Do you remember how we were saying about how the president of the United States is a trendsetter? Uh, <laughs> it, really, it really sounds like you're going down that road. No. What's your, okay. What does your hair look like? Windswept and interesting is how I would describe it. No, my hair inexplicably. Now, Stephen, I didn't do this, but my hair is oiled and slicked over to the side in a very classy parting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do that. That just kind of comes along with, with owning a drawing room and a velour onesie. Yeah. So while you're doing that, I'm over here sipping a coffee. You know, I've got, I barely managed to put my trousers on the right way. My slippers are on my ears. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm imagining? I'm imagining like, you know, those denim overalls, but with an ass flap on it and the <laughs> ass flap is open and there's just, your dog is tugging on the ass flap. Yeah, th- yeah my pajamas. And you're wearing a straw hat. Yeah, of course. But yeah, you're, so you're, you're a sleepy, you're a sleepy, sleepy morning boy right now. Yeah, I mean, I've only managed to have like three beers, so I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Are you drinking though? No. <laughs> You're not drinking? No, unfortunately not. What are you drinking? Okay. And, uh, from I'm your not... massive filigree gilded brandy glass that's more like a fishbowl than anything. Yeah, it's, um. well, if you look over to my right, you'll see I have a globe, but oh, when you look at it even closer, it's not a globe, it actually opens up into a mini bar and it's stocked with nothing but the finest of cognacs. So are you actually drinking brandy? That'd be kind of cool. No, I'm not drinking brandy. Oh. I'm 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 not actually drinking. What? We're gonna have a sober ep- <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>
that was very well timed. Sorry, I got a bit, I got a bit of interference on my mic. It's a new mic. I, I you know I haven't quite broken it in. It, it makes weird sounds from time to time. Well, I didn't realize that uh, rum came in cans these days. What was that? Sorry, I didn't, realize I didn't hear you over more sounds my mic was making. I didn't realize that rum come in cans these days. Uh, only only the best. <laughs> So tell me, Steve, are you too sleepy to catch me up on all the political news that's been happening over the past week? No, luckily I wrote them down beforehand um, on the back of a cereal box, so. <laughs> Did you really? No, <laughs> but yes. Aww. I wanted to make sure I could get the toy inside. <laughs> Go on, what's been happening? What's what's going on? Uh, well, Northern Ireland are voting. They voted yesterday and the counting will start this morning. Um, mm-hmm. What they're voting on? They're voting on their assembly. So even though Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom, they have their mm-hmm. own little parliament called the Northern Ireland Assembly. Mm-hmm. And a couple of months ago, um, the government there broke down, so they had to go for another election. Like emotionally or? Um, well, most things are emotional in the Northern Ireland. Their pol- their politics <laughs> isn't exactly the most, how do I describe this without getting in trouble? It isn't the most um, <laughs> rational. Yeah, I'm sure they're not going to mind me saying that. No. Yeah, basically, like, it's like, you know about the troubles, the, the problems mm-hmm. in the North has. So there's a peace agreement there, the Good Friday Agreement. It means that um, there's power sharing. So the government has to be made of uh, a coalition between the nationalist side and the unionist side, mm-hmm. the Protestants and the Catholics, essentially. Mm-hmm. So Sinn Féin have been sharing power with the DUP, the Democratic um, Unionist Party, who are mm-hmm. unionists, obviously. They got into a big fight and um, they fell out. And the only way that they think that they can resolve it is to go and have an election, which will essentially just mean a couple of seats will change. And because of the peace agreement, they're going to have to go back into government again together. Okay. So, it, like, and they just had an election last year as well. It kind of seems like they're doing it for... That's, that's very quick turnaround. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's very fragile up there. People, like, every time something like this happens, people get kind of worried because, obviously, how many how many of these little fights are we away from them actually starting to, you know, get violent again? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, although this, this election's been kind of weird. Like, normally they take it very seriously. They get very, you know, emotional and they're... Mm-hmm. And they get like they get pretty angry, but crocodiles have been the main theme this year. Crocodiles. Yeah, it's is that a political term that I don't know about? No, no. Or is it literal crocodiles? Li- literally, croco- crocodiles is what's been going on. Um, okay, are they are they vote voting? Um, well, one side would say so. Arlene Foster is the name of the first minister. She's the head of the DUP, so she. Mm-hmm. Um, She's the one that actually got into a fight with Sinn Féin and that's why there was an election. And one of the reasons that there was a fight was that she was in charge of a government scheme that involved um, subsidising um, wood burning pellets for like, because they were like, oh, this is a more uh, economical and environmental way for people to heat their homes. So we'll subsidise people to burn pellets to get burners into their houses and then you know, we'll, we'll start to wean them off whenever people get used to it and stop using so much oil. Mm-hmm. But the scheme was so badly designed that it ended up that people could actually make more money by burning more pellets. Wait. Rather, so it actually, you, like you, you, it wasn't a subsidy so much as they were paying you more than the pellets were worth. So it was, it was in, <laughs> it was in your interest to just keep on, just bu- keep burning, keep it. burning and keep on buying. And they reckon they lost like nearly 300 or 400 million pounds. And Northern Ireland is pretty small. So that's, that's quite a large amount of money for them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, this is at the time where there's, there's cuts coming in and they're, they're trying to roll back and all these things. So she 
stood fast and said it's not my fault the uh, Sinn Féin were like look you need to take responsibility for this oh and as well you have to give us um, some funding for the Irish language because they're Irish nationalists that's their big thing and and the DUP were opposed to that they were absolutely opposed to that because they are they consider Britishness part of their um, identity the whole reason that they want to have a separate state there is that because they're like look we're Irish but we're not fully Irish we're British Irish so these kind of things you know let the let the Republic down in the south do that we're going to stay British we're not going to have things like the Irish language and so Arlene Foster was caught saying that if you give in to Sinn Féin on this, they're like crocodiles. They're, if you feed them once, they're going to keep on coming back for more. As crocodiles are wont to do. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you if you give a crocodile one of your fingers, he's probably going to come back and look for more. Yeah. So if, and by extension, if you let a crocodile vote? Well, what the... Are the crocodiles voting is what I'm asking. Like, what, what's happening? What Sinn Féin did, <laughs> that comment was made a couple of weeks ago, and what, Shane have, what Sinn Féin have done is actually embraced it. So these wacky... Mm-hmm former terrorists who some of the missing fingers from the bombs that they used to set have been dressing up as crocodiles have been playing crocodile music as they're driving around looking for votes wait hold on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. what's crocodile music like songs with crocodile in it i don't i didn't realize there's actually like a huge library of songs of the word crocodile in it and they've been exploiting bon jovi have that one, bon jovi have that one song about crocodiles bon jovi have what what do we have uh, living on a prayer if you listen to the subtext living on a prayer is about crocodiles yeah listen to it Okay, I'll listen to it. Even Jerry Adams, like uh, this guy everyone knows was a former IRA commander, although he denies it still. Um, Mm -hmm. He was asked, what do you think about Arlene Foster's comments about crocodiles? He goes, see you later, alligator. (laughs) Not in a wild crocodile. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he said that one later, but this is the one that I picked up. Oh, man. Have you so has anyone tweeted out to tell him alligators and crocodiles are very different creatures? Uh, I guess not. I don't, is that really a thing? Here, Steve, can you do me a favor? Can you tweet at him from the What on Politics handle and correct him, please? Uh, yeah, okay. There's a chance that he might respond actually because he's known to be pretty, uh, pretty charismatic on Twitter. Hey, we need the exposure. Do you know that he like he tweets about his uh, little yellow duckies that he goes in, in his bathtub with? He tweets about what? his collection of teddy bears. Oh, he he, cl- he tweets. Wait, hold on. He, he tweets. <laughs> I need to remember who's saying this. He tweets about. Yeah, I know. This is a guy who like definitely ordered the murder of people, but obviously he didn't because he says he didn't, but he definitely did. Um, he 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 tweeted one day about how oh I lost my keys. Oh, I'm scaling up the back of my wall to break into my own house. Isn't that gas? Oh, I've broken my window to get into my own house. Isn't that hilarious? Does he know what Twitter is? He does, actually, and it's working very well for him. Someone even got a book oh. out of it, actually. Um, <laughs> but, like, even when when it was going on, the Irish media, like, were like, is this really Jerry Adams? And they were talking to the Sinn Féin press office, and Sinn Féin press office were, like, with closed eyes, shaking their heads slowly. Yes. Yes, it <laughs> yes. is. <laughs> with, with the weary, weary tone of, of someone whose entire job is based around damage control. <laughs> but it's working. Like, it's, he's got this personality now, being this wacky L fella. I remember we had to, I had to watch him giving a speech once to time how long it was taken. And mm-hmm. we were watching him and listening to his words. And then I looked down at his feet and I'm like, oh, my God, he's wearing sandals with white socks on stage live on television. <laughs> That's the real crime in, in his history. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else going on? Um, yeah, there's a bit like the uh, US thing has been going on. The um, Russia thing still seems to be going. So Jeff Sessions, mm-hmm. who is Trump's attorney general, um, mm-hmm. 
during his uh, appointment hearings, he said he definitely had no contacts with the Russians because this whole thing was starting to happen about which government members were talking to which, which, which of the Trump administration were talking to the Russians. But it turned out that he actually has met the Russian ambassador twice during the campaign. He says that the meetings were innocuous and there was nothing malicious about them. And it was just like, I mean, one of the times he said he met the, the Russian ambassador, like as he was walking off stage with four other ambassadors, but then there was another one where it was just him and the ambassador in a meeting room together with no one else. So hmm. even if he wasn't talking about anything dangerous or like actually colluding with the Russians, the fact that he went and lied to the Senate um, confirmation committee means that he's in a lot of trouble. So yeah. what he's done so far is that he says he's going to recuse himself from the investigations into um, the Russian interference with the elections. Because before that, as the Attorney General, he's the head of the US Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. So technically he would be in charge of the investigations, which people were kind of freaked out about because like how can like someone so close to Trump be responsible for basically investigating something that could be so damaging to Trump? Yeah. But he, he has, in fairness, he said, I'm going to recuse myself. I'm going to step back. This this investigation will now have nothing to do with me. So hmm. people are a little bit happy because that might, that, might, that might make it a little bit more independent. Yeah. But we'll see. And uh, Trump did the same thing he did with the last guy. He basically just said, I have no idea what this guy was doing. It looks like he lied to me. Um, I'm dropping him. Right. So it seems to be that Trump really doesn't stay loyal to his boys. No. He's, he he kind of hangs them out. Is that good or bad given what's been happening? Um, It's... It's good for America, but it's bad for Trump because if he keeps on doing this, why would you want to stay loyal to someone who may just drop you at the drop of a hat for his own mm-hmm. self-interest? Right. So uh, that obviously we, we still have at least three years, 11 months or maybe 10 months and a bit to figure this out. Unless you bop him off like you keep alluding to. Unless I bop him off or or there's another thing going on. Did you hear what's going on? Did you hear who's being mooted for a run in 2020? Brendan Fraser? Not just Brendan Fraser because obviously he'd be the third party candidate because nobody remembers who he is. I remember. I know and you can remember those abs. (laughs) Those Georgia the Jungle abs. Those glistening Georgia the Jungle abs. Well if he just did the debate like you know Wearing the Georgia the Jungle attire, he'd probably do pretty well. Yeah. So who's who's running? Uh, Oprah. Oprah is saying that she wants to run. Oh! No, actually, Oprah, Oprah is saying that she... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't mean it to turn into that. I just, yeah. Oprah is denying that she wants to run, but everybody else is saying, oh my God, Oprah's definitely going to run. Yeah. So, I mean... Is, it gonna, is American politics going to turn into an X-Factor type contest where... Well... Different celebrities are going to run. When you say going to turn into, I mean, we, 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 yeah, we, just, I guess. we just had that. <laughs> it's already happened. Like a reality TV star just used the, the, the lessons that he learned in reality mm. TV to win the presidency. So, I mean. So where is the Oprah stuff coming from? Like where did that, did it come from her? Something she said? Um, people speculating? People speculating. I don't, she, she hasn't actually really said anything. She, it's just like, because she's. She's given the kind of answers that you give, apparently, if you're thinking about it. You're like, oh, no, I'm not considering that at this time. Or, yeah. or no, I'm, I'm far too busy to, to think about anything like that. And, oh, it's way too early to even think about something like that. Yeah. So these are the kind of, like, little tick box answers that you give so you're not going to be caught on video saying, I would never run for the president. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then when you do, you yeah. get in trouble. Yeah, so, I mean... I mean, do, do you think people are going to learn, though, from having... One president with zero political experience 
would they really elect another person with zero political experience? Are you asking me, would the people of the of America do that again? Yes. Yes, they would. Uh, okay. So I suppose, like, if we have to live in a world where these billionaire media moguls are coming forward to run, I'd rather have Oprah than the present one, or I'd rather have Oprah who, you know... Like she, she worked herself up from nothing. She, yeah. she comes. You'd rather have Oprah than a Kardashian. Oh, absolutely. And it's particularly like, do you remember the last person that said they were going to run in 2020? Um, was Kanye. Oh, I mean, yeah. Part of me's interested, but. Yeah, I mean, like they've already done this experiment. Why can't they keep just doing it? Like George of the Jungle, Kanye, um, Jerry Adams should have a go. Um, <laughs> you and I yeah, should run on a joint platform. Joint platform. <laughs> Well, just like every time we go to a debate or anyone asks any questions, we'll just refer them back to this podcast. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty clear on that point. The record the record has already reflected what we believe. Yeah, I believe if you will consult episode six of What on Politics, we have made our opinions on Brendan Fraser's abs and Georgia Jungle very clear. Thank you very much. This concludes our press conference. Drop the mic. Bunk. I'd vote for us. Anyway, uh, what are we saying? Oprah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. A lot of people think that he might be thinking about it too. God. It's just, this is. Okay. I'm just sick of hearing about famous people. <laughs> well, I mean, this seems to be the trend that has been set. Yeah. I mean, no, at the moment, I guess it's, it's pretty early. Like they're still recovering, but the Democrats haven't had a conventional politician step up to the mark yet to actually mm-hmm. come out. And I, I mean, that doesn't really happen anyway, because... Like Obama kind of came out of nowhere. Hillary was the assumed candidate the first time. Obama took it. Mm-hmm. And um, the second, I guess after that, yeah, Hillary was like everyone knew it would be Hillary. But then again, we have Bernie Sanders and that nearly happened too. So it, mm-hmm. it the conventional politicians, they tend to like sort themselves out. Like Hillary wouldn't go again, would she? I don't think so. Um, no, I know. doesn't have it in her. She doesn't have it in her. Like she... She's tried enough. It would be pretty, yeah. and not only that. Like she's, she's been pretty tainted. Like I mean, it's <laughs> it's people blame her for losing. So are we just going? Uh, that's very professional of you to just just go right by me giggling at taint. Taint? You said tainted. Yeah. You know what taint is? Is it funny? Oh, Steve, sit down. I'm sitting. Let me t- let me tell you a story. Let me button up my dungaree flap. <laughs> No, leave it open because this is actually, it's actually relevant. Yeah. No, the taint is uh, also known as the gooch or the fleshy fun bridge. What? It's called the taint? Yeah, the taint. Yeah. I've never heard of that. The grundle, I believe as well. Grundle? Yeah. I've heard of it called the gooch. Gooch, yeah. The gooch is like more of an Irish thing. Is it? I think. I don't know. Well, we do name our footballers after it. Yeah. Okay, no, I've never heard of the called the taint or the. I was wondering why. The, yeah, you were just going by it while I was giggling. The gr- anyway, I don't know. I just thought you were giggling from the hilariousness of Hillary losing it an election. <laughs> giggling at taint. Anyway, so <laughs> you teach me all about politics, and I teach you about <laughs> another word for gooch. <laughs> a grundle, really? That sounds like some sort of like a a Norwegian fairy tale troll. <laughs> oh, the grundle's coming out. Oh, be careful. Oh. <laughs> I mean, in many ways. <laughs> if you don't watch it enough, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I could give something back to you because you've taught me so much. Oh yeah, I mean this is a give and take. If we're if we're going ever going to win president the presidency, like I mean we're already not U.S. citizens, so we've got that against us. But I mean look at mm-hmm. look at Obama, he managed to get around it, so yeah, we can sort that out. But he knew what a taint was. He did. So yeah, 
Okay, next next news topic. Uh, it's been a quiet week, so there isn't really too much. Um, no, yeah. Trump has gone back to having a normal sane. Well, he he did go and he addressed the Congress. Didn't he, ad- he he addressed Congress, which you know all about now. I know all about why I'm Congress. So he 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 gave a speech. Normally, you would call these speeches the State of the Union, but since mm-hmm. he's only been in charge of the Union for a couple of weeks, everyone's like, okay, you can't call the first president's speech the State of the Union because how the hell would he know what I'm the state? So it's basically just an address. Um, everyone was saying that he was pretty mellow for Trump. He was pretty conventional, almost pretty chill, presidential, which almost. Well, it's still Trump. So yeah, all things considered, pretty presidential. Yeah, like he, oh, he's so fucking annoying. Like you don't even know where he stands on these things. He just flip flops all the time, and you're like, Jesus Christ, man! Do we? How much can we hate you? You don't even let us have that steady. He went out and yeah. he said, oh, um, and on um, immigration, everyone's expecting him to say, we're going to build that catapult and get rid of all these little darkies. But no, he said, he said, no, uh, we're going to have a, we should look at uh, fixing our immigration system so it's merit-based, like Canada. Yeah, basically like making it easier for people to move into the United States legally if you have certain qualifications, I guess. So, th- but this is just all reactionary. Um. Like it's policy, like these th- the things that the president says, people take note of. So potentially it could become an actual policy. It's like, I don't think he just said, well, ugh, this is, with Trump, you don't know if he just said, if someone just told him to say it just to keep placate the liberal media. Right. Or are they actually working on this kind of a, a policy? Because this kind of thing would get support from the Democrats as well as the Republicans. Yeah. So yeah. like it's feasible. Yeah. So, I mean, if he is doing this kind of double-edged sword where he's being he's clamping down on basically low skilled low wage workers while also opening it up for more middle classy kind of immigrants mm-hmm. then like that's you got yourself an immigration policy there it's hard to know with this guy yeah but then a lot of people were saying that the problem with that is that america really needs the low skilled jobs almost yeah. more than it needs the like i mean americans uh, it's the same in every developed economy. By the time you get to a certain level of development, the the people who live there tend to not want to do like the really crappy jobs, like picking fruit or, or mm-hmm. I don't know, like yeah, the kind of jobs you can imagine that are harder than most, like mm-hmm. more physically. That's toiling. how middle class you are. You cannot think of a single working class job that's not picking fruit. Man, I had to fucking scrub dishes in kitchens since I was fourteen. Okay, don't don't get me started on my granddad. I'm here wearing dungarees <laughs> with a straw hat. <laughs> I know, I yeah, I know you're you're still Stevie from the block. I'm podcasting from a tin can, you know. I don't know how this works. I stuck it. I took the stuck the string into the USB port of my Windows ninety eight wind up computer. So don't you start. So what are we going to talk about this week, Steve? I think we should talk pretty basically about the whole politics mm-hmm. thing by uh, asking about voting. Voting. Okay, Steve, what I'm voting. So, you know the way humans have been governing governing themselves for pretty much as long as we've been writing down stuff? There's always been someone in charge. So right. usually it used to be the dude who had like the most stuff. So he could... Or the biggest stick. He had the biggest stick and either like his dad had the bigger stick. So he was able to take more people's stuff. And then eventually like people are like, oh, this guy's got the most stuff. We better work for him and we'll get stuff ourselves. So mm-hmm. they used to be the ones that were always in charge and they just did what everyone did, what they said. Mm-hmm. But eventually people were like, hang on, like just because big stick dude is in charge, does that mean we have to do what he says? What about all the rest of us? Do we not get to have a say? So in some places mm-hmm. they were like, why don't we gather together around this woolly mammoth's cor- corpse and put our hands up and decide who gets to 
get which bits. Was this the first instance of voting? Because I thought it was going to be some boring Greek shit, but a bunch of cavemen voting around a woolly mammoth carcass is pretty badass. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, it's... Uh, it's re- that's definitely how it went Yeah, there. that's the start of every textbook about democracy. That's that's definitely how it is. Like, I mean... They, Man, I've they, got to start reading. They had a podcast as well. You know, you can check it out. Fuck. Great. It probably would have been called What Am Politics as well. Like, if a caveman was going to start a political podcast. We haven't got that far in the last couple of thousand years. What Am Politics with Ugg. <laughs> oh, this is such a stupid show. So... That's kind of like the principle of where it came from. Nobody actually wrote down and said, look, or like ran through the streets naked saying, I invented voting. I invented voting. Everyone listen to me now. I invented voting. Why do you have to be naked? Because of the Eureka thing. You know, the guy in the bathtub. I don't know what that is. You know, the the, the, the Greek guy who was trying to figure out how boats work. And then he got into a bathtub, noticed that the water kind of... Dis- <laughs> that his balls floated slightly. <laughs> no, Richie, ships are not... Powered like they don't stay afloat because of balls. I think that's going to be the pull code for this episode. <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> anyway, so you you know the guy ran around the streets of Greece shouting Eureka Eureka. So they didn't have that with voting. And well, maybe so. Maybe a couple of guys did come up with it, but then they got hit in the head really hard by the guys who did have the power. But mm-hmm. eventually, so it wasn't a popular. It wasn't a popular thing to begin with. Um, it. It hasn't, up until about 200 years ago, like general voting of the population has always been frowned upon because why would you trust these, these uneducated masses to actually make their own decisions? But there have, okay. there were a couple of experiments. So in, as you said, those boring old Greeks, the Athenians, mm-hmm. they did do it, but it was pretty restricted as to who actually had the right to vote. Um, women weren't allowed to vote. Um, slaves weren't allowed to vote so um, like poor people weren't allowed to vote so uh, crocodiles uh, crocodiles well they were they were Egyptians so they counted as foreigners it, it was really just like a couple about I think it worked out to like about 2000 dudes but their voting was different they didn't they didn't cast ballots secretly and have other people make decisions for them after that they actually had to turn mm-hmm. up every couple of weeks and everyone would like agree together on what to do so you would stand up and say this is my policy and then everyone everyone would have a vote every citizen of the state and mm. yeah, they, they also they didn't think it was a good idea to have people to elect like representatives to govern on your behalf because they thought that just the richest and the loudest and the most annoying would become would get all the power. So they would actually everyone's name would go into a big hat, a big old Greek hat, and they would pull it out and say, Richie, you're you're in charge for the next year. And people would actually. I heard about this on QI. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And apparently there's like a lot of merits to this system. Well, I guess the argument is that... In terms of avoiding corruption. It can't be any worse than what we have now, I think, is what people say. <laughs> maybe maybe that was it. But yeah, Stephen Fry was seemed like he was in favour of it. And I think he's a smart man. He is a smart man, but he's also an incredibly cynical man. So he really doesn't like politics as it stands. And I guess this will be a huge difference to what we have. Because at the moment we have... And so that motivates his, his reasoning. Yeah. that's like I mean, I don't want to assume what the great Stephen Fry is thinking inside that massive super brain of his, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's that's generally what it is. People are like, well, the politicians have been fucking it up since, so why don't we just bring the power back? Um, mm-hmm. 
But like I said, the Greeks actually, when you got your hat, your hat, when you when you got your name pulled out of the hat and you had to govern, they were like, ah oh, man, I'm not gonna be able to watch that Netflix show for the next couple of weeks. I gotta fucking run this <laughs> stupid country. Ah, oh, what a pain in the ass. So they, it was actually, it was considered a burden to govern back then. Oh, I have to run this country. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna have yeah. to eat all these gyros. These gy- oh, I'm in charge of the gyros now. It's not fair. Euro? Is it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, man. I was calling them gyros when I was in Greece. I feel like an idiot now. (laughs) (laughs) Uncultured swine. (laughs) You should come to my drawing room and I'll read you from my many, many books about Greek culture. Okay. (laughs) Definitely not little comic books in each of them. No, in in each of these letter-bound books is a different Marvel or DC comic book of your choosing. Oh, excellent. So the Greeks did that, but then... The Romans, they came along, and what the Romans based most of their culture on was what they stole off the Greeks. So they created, like, a pretty complicated republic system. They actually had representatives who would get together and govern. So you would vote for someone to be in charge for a couple of years. They were called the consuls. Hmm. Um, It sounds familiar. You would have the consul, two consuls who held dual power, so there wouldn't be any one man with too much power, because they were terrified Hmm. of kings for, like, 500 years of the republic. Um, you would have the mm. Senate, who were like, they represented the the rich people, the aristocracy. But you would have the Tribunes, who were elected people who represented, like, the, they were called the plebs, the, the normal people, the common folk. So they, so did the, the Tribunes have as much power as the Senate? It was kind of, it was all divided. There were checks and balances. It was kind of similar to, like, how modern democracies are created as well. Like, some things would have powers over certain things, and other or some chambers would have the powers to override them if they disagreed. So the idea was, mm-hmm. the, if, if they had these competing interests, like, represented in these different institutions, like the Senate, the Tribunes, the Consuls, that on the day-to-day running of governance they would actually work out for everybody because you would have each of them watching the other the other to make sure you that they weren't getting their own interests above what the other people's ones were and sounds good it worked out until julius caesar came along and took all the power for himself and then his, uh, his nephew actually became the first emperor uh okay but, but for about 500 years it was cool it was going pretty good there yeah i mean the, and then like again uh, slaves couldn't vote and um, women couldn't vote but they were more open I think like you didn't actually have to have land the plebs did have a vote for the tribunes and the everyone like it did work out pretty well a lot of good people had a lot of vote and like they got that thing running for about 500 years with a couple of blips so mm-hmm. yeah well, good on the Romans yeah fair play so except for the whole you know, women can't vote thing yeah and the slavery and the conquest yeah. of the world I mean like no one's perfect yeah I mean, you all, we all got our, our darkness. I mean, Jerry Adams has a hilarious tweets about duckies, but, you know, there's there's the other stuff, too. There's the other stuff. There's the socks and sandals thing. <laughs> oh. 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 Let's not speak of that, Steve, that darkness. I know that even though you're wearing all that beautiful red velvet bathrobe stuff, you still got lit. Velour, Velour onesie. You still <laughs> I know you're wearing socks and sandals underneath it. You didn't talk about your footwear, and that's why. You know me too well, Stephen. So, and then after the fall of the Roman Republic, it became the Roman Empire and democracies kind of fell out of fashion for a long time. So They weren't in vogue. They weren't in vogue. Um, ruling through feudal lords and the the aristocracy really sewed up their control of the power. You had kings fighting kings and it would always be, God put me in charge, okay? So none of that, <laughs> don't even think about that voting crap. 
And so mo- across pretty much like we're, we're talking about the European side here because I don't actually have the knowledge about if anything else was going on outside of that. And um, mm. so they they kind of like they went along with that until the Middle Ages and a couple like, like England a couple of times they would have clashes between the nobleman and the king. So the, they would the nobleman would be like, hey, king, kingy, you're doing you're you're going you're stepping too far here. You're trying to raise too many taxes. So a couple of mm. times they actually agreed different things where they would have like a some parliament they have a parliament of the lords would get together and make recommendations to the king or at least like have a check over his laws and depending on how weak the king was at the time it actually it worked and that that did develop into what became the british parliament the english parliament and say around 1600 or so the parliament was actually pretty powerful um Mm -hmm. so you had you still had a king in the uk but you also had this 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 gathering and there was a little bit of voting but it was still mostly like there was like I think two percent of the population of the entire country were entitled to vote because you had to have a lot of land, and so this is a trend like across the board. In what way? Like voting is more of a more of a democratic process. It's more open, but it's still not very democratic. It's still not very open. And this, you know, whether you're in Greece or Rome or yeah or England, this is just seems. There's to- still yeah. You always did. There's always going to be restrictions put on it. I mean, we'll get to the modern the modern system now, but like even now, there are still restrictions put on what, how countries run their votes. Not anybody can just walk up and vote. Mm-hmm. And some, like back then, they were like, "Look, it, what's the point in giving someone a vote if they don't have any land? They don't have a vested interest in how this country is going to be run. So, like, we can't just give the mm-hmm. vote to any to any fellow who just walks around because number one, so if you can't contribute, basically, he's not contributing anything. He shouldn't get a say. And Right. And of course, she shouldn't get a say because, you know, pff, look at this. Because, you know, boobs. Because the way, the whole damn boobs are going to confuse them. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> we'll talk about, we'll talk about women's suffrage soon. Please don't turn it off yet. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> Please don't disregard it just because we want boobs. <laughs> we're going to do an episode on feminism as well. We just need to get some shit in order. We need to find someone who can actually teach us about feminism. That's what I mean by get shit in order. <laughs> <laughs> the shit is us. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So the Brit- the British had this parliamentary system, and that kind of went along for a while. With like different different kings would come in and take power away. Other kings would come in and and grant it back because they had to. And mm-hmm. that, that was kind of happening in a couple of different places around Europe. But there were a couple of like full on medieval republics. Um, Florence in Italy, that was one. Venice, they got a Venice had a republic going for nearly five hundred years with like a really convoluted voting system. It involved, but it worked. It worked for five hundred years. They would elect um, the top. The top fellow was called the Doge, the D-O-G-E. The D-O-G-G. The D-O-G-G. D-O-G-E. O-G-E. I said D-O-G-G. He's the top dog. Well, dog, doog, whatever it is. The D-O-double-G. Yo, I'm the D-O-double-G. Uh, I'm in charge of Venice. And try and rhyme something hey, with Venice. Hey, S- Steve, stop, stop. No rapping. I'm going to instigate a no rapping policy. It's a fair policy. I, I vote for that too. We are both too white for this. <laughs> so, like, there were... And Amsterdam, um, Holland, they had a little public going for a while. Um, yeah, so there were places that jumped up and again and they were like, hey, this voting thing that's, that the Romans used to do and the Athenians, that's a pretty good way to govern. Why do we need a king? But they were like small little city-states or small little lands. They weren't, it wasn't really any big nations taking it on until the Americans came along. Oh, here they come. So in America, a bunch of rich white guys, a lot of them owning slaves, decided that they didn't have enough freedom. So they started this whole war of independence thing and... They mm-hmm. forced out the British and then 
afterwards they were like, how are we going to govern ourselves? Oh, let's have a democracy. Sorry, I just love the irony of these rich white guys owning slaves saying they don't have enough freedom. Just that sentence. <laughs> it, just, it was totally intentional to point out yeah. the, like the, 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 the double standards and hypocrisy that's built into these things. But look, they, they designed a system that was, that was pretty fair. Um, there was a lot of voting involved. There was a lot of say, a lot of checks and balances. There wasn't any single person rule tyrant, like tyrants. They, like we talked, we talked, we've talked about it a few times. We don't need to go over that again. Mm -hmm. But as well as that built into their system at the start was still requirements about owning land and different things, but it was still, it was a lot wider than what it was in Britain. So even though you had to own land, you didn't have to own as much land. So even like guys with small plots, they, they had, they got to say. Right. So, and then. But women still couldn't vote. Women still couldn't vote. Um, most states, black people couldn't vote. Yeah. I think mm. for a while, Catholics couldn't vote. So there was a lot of hypocrisies built into it. Mm -hmm. Um, in the US, the states themselves, actually, they, they get to design for a large part and um, have always got to design their own voting regulations. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been some federal federal instructions coming down since then that have had to open them up. But we'll talk mm -hmm. more about that when we get to suffrage. So sure. the as the other countries around the world started taking up this whole freedom thing, this whole democracy thing, um, Ireland tried out, the French had the revolution, other countries started it. So these democracies started coming more and more in vogue. And even the British, even though they've managed to hold on to their monarchy ever since then, they started getting more and more democratic. So like during the eight, mid-1800s, as like all the ramifications of the American War of Independence and the French Revolution and all started to kind of calm down and they were able to look at these things more logically, they're like, hey, some of these things actually make sense. You're right. More freedom should be mm -hmm. given. So they started opening up the voting more and more and more. They started making these parliaments actually fair. And then come around like the 1900s or so, you actually had pretty well-established democracies around a lot of the world, even though there were compromises in a lot of countries between the kings got to stay kind of as uh, heads of states or right. as like ceremonial rulers. And then other places, the king would actually get a say. So, But in those places, yeah. it tended not to work out so well and they were kind of derided. So right. coming up the world... But it was kind of unanimous that this democracy was the way to go. Yeah, in most places. Um, right. There were some people who still stood up and fought against it. So like Will William Wilhelm, the uh, emperor of Germany coming up to World War One, he was openly against it in a lot of ways, but that was frowned upon. And then the whole World War happened and then people were like, look, he lost the war. So obviously he lost the argument. And then again, the Nazis came to power saying this democracy thing doesn't work. So mm -hmm. then again, another World War happened and they lost the argument too. So it just kept on developing like that. And now we pretty much have democracy is the standard. If you don't have a democratic government now with, with voting for as many people as possible, then you're mm. kind of a pariah. You're a prick. You're, yeah, you're a prick. Like, you're a big prick. <laughs> pretty much just, actually. That's, sorry, when you said pariah, when you started saying pariah, I thought you were going to say prick. <laughs> so, <I> was, <laughs> so you just follow through. <laughs> I just followed through. Is the pariah, is that a nickname for any part of the body that I missed? Uh, yes. So it's the um, space between your big toe and your the toe next to your big toe. Okay. Well, I got. But only when only when that part of your body is used in a sexual context, then it's called a pariah. Sure, sure. And that's why I shave my pariah all the time. Yeah. So we'll talk about suffrage now. So even though all these different countries were de developing these democratic systems, um, as the vote wasn't really given out to a lot of people, but over mm -hmm. time people started like people got more enlightened they started to realize that it wasn't really fair like what's the whole point in calling this a democracy if you're not 
giving the vote to enough people. So at different sure. at different points, different movements came up. Um, the most famous one is like the women's suffrage movement. So for way too long, women were excluded. And but then around the turn of like the end of the nineteenth century, start of the twentieth, women started really really organizing together and saying, "Hey, look, this is this has been going on way too long. There's no reason not to give us the vote. Just hurry up mm-hmm. and do it." And I mean, is this was this happening simultaneously in different parts of the Western world well, where democracy was prevalent, or did it start in one place way before others? I'm not sure if there's like one catalyst movement in one country that did mm. it, but kind of across like the Victorian world was was pretty like unified. So you would hear about different things going on. It was possible to organize international movements. So in the UK and the US, it was there was quite it was quite tied together. But the thing that really right. turned it for them, I think, um, I guess like an actual feminist scholar who's got more knowledge on this could correct me. But when World War One happened and all the men had to go and fight and um, the women were left to take over the jobs that would have traditionally have been called men's jobs. And for sure they did them. They, they performed excellently. Like they really saved the bacon in a lot of countries by work at work. <laughs> literally held the country together. Literally made bacon by becoming farmers and literally like yeah. went into the factories and built armaments and did all the jobs that you were saying only men could do because women weren't good enough. Yeah. And then they went ahead and yeah. did them. And then on the back of yeah. that, a lot of countries were like, okay, we really can't keep doing this anymore. We're going to have to grant them the vote. So I'd say around by the 1920s, most countries had granted women the vote and that opened it all up. Um, hopefully we can get someone with more knowledge on to talk more about that very important movement but we will we will we're working on it one thing I can point out is that a country got pretty late into it um, it's not a country you would guess because they're usually known for being pretty liberal and and enlightened but um, Switzerland didn't grant the vote to women up until the 60s the 60s but I've been told there's a specific reason for this and it has to do with their voting system which we'll get into after this little anecdote um, okay Switzerland is broken up into seven kind of federal mini countries and then together they make mm-hmm. Switzerland and one of them you were you took, it was kind of like Greece everyone got together and organized things themselves but to vote you had to hold up your sword and huh. women were not allowed to own swords so therefore they couldn't vote that's bullshit <laughs> like that's absolute bullshit they got away with it for until the 60s until eventually were that's like, ridiculous isn't it the beatles were in the charts like that's how recent it is in human history it might have been the early 60s and they got away with that it might have been the early 60s i don't want to piss off any swiss people that are listening here but it, yeah it, they are famously one of the last countries to get around with and uh, the voting uh, the, the holding up of a sword is usually held up as the reason why that's crazy but hey even do you want to hear my um my joke about switzerland oh go ahead Hey Steve, do you want to know one of the benefits of being Swiss? What are one of the benefits of being Swiss, Richie? Well, the flag's a plus. Uh, oh, oh, no. That's a great joke. Oh, man. Tell a friend. So, the Swiss have their holding up of the swords voting system, but then loads of other countries, even though you would call them all democracies, they all have different ways to vote. So... Mm-hmm. In the United States and the UK, they elect people on first past the post. So basically everyone runs in like one constituency, be it like the the congressional district, the state or the the country for the presidency. And whoever Mm -hmm. gets the majority of the votes. So it could be if there's five people running, it could be if you get 24% and that's more than anyone else, you win. Um, It's some people would say that that's kind of not fair because what about the other 
the, the, the people who vote who don't win, does that mean that their vote is just cast aside? What about, um, sorry if this is a quick aside, yeah. but isn't that not the in the US, the Electoral College, that's like a different system. So if you get do get the most amount of votes, it's not necessarily, because that's what happened with Hillary. She got more votes, but she didn't win. Yeah, you're right. So, the, so it's not necessarily true. Yeah, but that's... I get what you're saying, in the, but... In the presidential system, you're right. That isn't, there isn't ne- technically a majoritarian system there. So they actually, right. they as we... Like they give each state a number of electoral college votes, depending on how it is. And if you win the most votes in that state, you get all of those electoral college votes. So what happens then is that if California and New York and those kind of states with massive populations, even if they vote by like an overwhelming amount of one person, you don't get more votes based on that. You still just get all the votes that state. So, but if you win Utah by 51%, you get all of Utah's electoral votes. So when you add them all up together... It can work out, and it has done three times in American history, that the president wins because he has the most electoral college votes rather than the most votes total. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah. But aside from um, outside of the presidential example. Yeah, all the other things are majoritarian. So in in the Senate races, whoever gets the most, whoever gets, because there's usually only two candidates for the Senate races because America's got a two-party system. So it's usually, it works out at like 48, 49%. Whoever gets those amount of votes wins. Mm-hmm. And that's the same in the UK, but the UK is a bit trickier because they have, like, they can have up to four or five, um, like, competing people to win. It used to just be the Conservatives and Labour, but in recent times, the UK, the UKIP, uh, Lib Dems and a couple of other parties, they've been jumping in too. So you could end up with, like, 31% of the vote and going ahead and winning because the other people only got, like, 20 or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. like, it, that doesn't really feel fair to have... no to have the leader of the of the entire of the winner of the election only getting 31% of people's votes like only 31% but that's the system they have and they they did try to change it they tried to move to something closer to what Ireland has which is called uh, proportional representation so Mm -hmm. in Ireland when you go to vote it's for first of all it's more than one person is running so there could be anywhere between three and five people running for uh, or three and five seats to win in the constituency and there can mm-hmm. be up to like sometimes 20 i think the last time my my voting slip was like nearly a meter long there was like i think 20 <laughs> different candidates and what's that in feet for our american friends um it's like three and a half toes i think <laughs> it's uh it's like it's it's two gallons i don't know yeah, i don't know it's got a couple of pariahs in there too nice shaven pariahs <laughs> <laughs> and then in ireland you have to write a number beside the politician's name depending on what what preference you give them so you have number one two three four five etc and then so one being your your most um yeah your your your, your, your top preference your, and yeah exactly from that and then people they start first they count the number ones and then they eliminate the people with the least amount and then they go to the number twos and so on and that keeps on going and through whatever convoluted witch magic ireland uses to elect people it works out and mm-hmm. I'll, there's a lot so it's a, it's a fair distribution of your preferences basically so we, the the principle being there that even if your number one vote didn't count you still have an opportunity to have a say with number two and number three etc so people were like oh well that and that that tends to create like more diverse parliaments so in the uk there's there's the two-party system really and there isn't really anything else but there's a couple of other smaller parties but in ireland and other places that use pr it works out with like really diverse um, political parties because it's a lot easier to get elected if your number five and number six preferences are getting counted. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, Makes sense. Other places use... So, you know the way in the United States, they have one election and the winner of that wins, usually. So, Mm -hmm. in places like France and Brazil, they have presidential elections as well, but they have runoff elections. So, they have... Is this what you spoke about before, where there's a a two election? Yeah, exactly. So, they they still want... They want the president to have the majority of the vote, but so they don't want to have a situation where... They would have six people running and whoever gets 32% wins the entire thing. They think that's not fair. So their working way around it is that they have a first election with five or six candidates, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And then the people with the two most votes have to compete again so that and then everyone has to vote. And then right. whoever gets the most of that becomes the president. And they're like, that's fair because that's that's a majoritarian system. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a cop out, though, because like if you really don't like the two candidates who end up winning, then you're forced to vote on two people that you really don't like. So what's right? Like, what's the point? Yeah, and it's so yeah. The the our, the proportional representation seems more um, subtle and nuanced. Yeah, it is. I mean, it people big it up a good bit, but like these voting systems get really entrenched. It's really hard to change a voting system once it's in there, or it has been at least for a long time. Just like logistically. L- well, logistically, but just in principle as well. People get used. Like first of all, the the politicians have got elected based on the old system, so they're technically the best at exploiting the system that stands. What uh, What's in their interest to change it? And is it an ideological thing as well in the minds of the people um, who use that system? I don't even think it's ideological. It's really just like um, like it's self-interest as much as anything. Right. But right. the in the last UK government, they actually had a coalition between the Conservatives, who are one of the two big parties who make the most out of first-past-the-post, which is what the majoritarian uh, voting system is called, but they they were they had to go into coalition with a smaller party, the Lib Dems, and they see more advantage for them, I guess, and also they make the ideological argument that it's fairer to have proportional representation. So they're like, hey, let's let's have a referendum on it's kind of, it was called AV, um, I can't remember what that stands for, but it's kind of like PR, but mm-hmm. the people ended up rejecting it actually pretty strongly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They had a referendum. When did this happen? Uh, 2011, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. And like that's pretty much settled the argument in the UK for a long time. They had the referendum. Yeah. The people so it's not going to come up again anytime soon. I don't think so. Right. Um, yeah. But then, do you know North Korea have elections? They, they have elections. Is elections in quotes, Steve, when you say that? Well, of course. But at least in paper, they actually have elections. It's mandatory mm-hmm. to vote and there's only one. Is there just one name with a tick box next to it? There really is. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> but then they can turn around and say, hey, look, we have elections. <laughs> technically, technically, and we have elections. If you want to be really cynical about it, you can say that about any democracy. But we're not cynical, so Ooh. we won't say that. This is a happy We're not cynical. This is a happy one. It's a happy, fun podcast. Yeah, so, I mean, between the history of voting, suffrage, and now the voting systems, have you got a better idea what's going on yeah i do for sure good um it's it's better than the stick system you described at the start okay nothing in politics is perfect but do you feel like this is as good of a system as we can have under current circumstances or do you feel like there are big improvements to be made there's always big improvements to be made it's not a perfect system but i'm going to rob churchill's quote here and say democracy is the worst form of government Except for all the others, so <laughs> it's a great quote. Nobody's come up with a better solution yet, so this is this is this is what we're going to go with. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's a. I feel like it's a good way to close that out. 
So, Steve, are you ready for our next segment? Go ahead. So, it's time for another round of fake news for real dudes. I'm a real dude. Hit me with fake news. So, you know, you remember how the, how the rules go. I read you two news stories, uh, one of which is fake, one of which is real, and you have to decide by asking me questions which is the fake one and which is the real one. I know the score. Hit me. You know the score. Okay. So, first news story. Irish expat currently living in San Francisco fails to come up with content for his stupid podcast game because he was really busy this week. <laughs> okay. Okay, that was the first story. Sounds believable. Okay, second story. Irish expat currently living in San Francisco successfully comes up with content for his stupid podcast game because he had a pretty chill week. <laughs> okay, so do you want to ask some questions? Um, what publications were these reported in? Uh, let's see. There is the Richie Tribunal. I can't wait for that to get into power. And then the second was just the Guardian. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. weirdly enough. Well, they they need to they they will want to diversify in their content. So I mean, any any gobsh I can put in an article to them these days. There we are. Oh yeah, it isn't. Oh wait, hold on a second. It isn't the opinion section. And yes, it was submitted by Richie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say that the first one is real. Correct. Woohoo! <laughs> Yeah, so apparently the kimono. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, apparently the kimono a little bit. Uh, we we recorded our last episode on Sunday, which is a bit later than we usually do, and now we're recording this one on a Thursday. And it's been a pretty busy week, and I just haven't had the chance to like prepare. Thursday. Wow, it's Friday here. I feel like a time traveler. Yeah, you you gotta let me know what what's in store for me uh, tomorrow morning. Darkness and caffeine. <laughs> I look forward to that. Um, so yeah, that was a very quick round of fake news for real, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next week we're going to be talking about, what are we going to talk about? Well, by the time we'll be recording it, by the time it's been released, it will be the week of St. Patrick's Day. Um, so let's, Ooh. let's keep in theme and have two Irish guys talking about Irish politics. Let's have one Irish guy talk about Irish politics and another Irish guy listening politely. <laughs> well, that's the format so far. Let's keep going. Yeah. I think I might make the occasional interjection to teach you about disgusting parts of the human body. Oh, of course. But aside from that. Okay, yeah, Irish Irish politics. I can't wait to finally learn about what that is. I know. Some so, 26 years. Loads of our, loads of our buddies have been talking to us like please do an episode in Irish politics just so we can like learn more about the thing that we're supposed to know about anyway because the Irish education oh, really? system definitely didn't do its job. No. Uh, cool. So big thank you to people who have been talking about and sharing the show as per usual. If you do like what you hear, Feel free to share it and recommend to other people. Our Twitter hash, our Twitter handle is what, Steve? At what am politics. Exactly. So if you want to tweet about um, us to share with your friends, feel free to add that. It really does help. Yeah. And um, get sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and to leave mm-hmm. a rating on the podcast app of your choice if it allows the function. Of course, only leave mm-hmm. good ratings because, you know, we're amazing and there's no point in leaving a bad one because that's alternate facts. Yeah, exactly. It makes us cry. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So that it, Steve. Are we done. That's pretty much it. Um, I'll talk to you next so, week. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to reading this wonderful hard copy of uh, Ulysses. And you, what? You're gonna go do work or some boring stuff? Yeah, I have to go and start my day, and uh, yeah, mm. try and think about the real world for a while after all this silly political nonsense. Oh, <sighs> sorry, you're such a prick. I didn't hear you over the sound of that beautiful cognac. Oh, I can't believe. It. <laughs> sorry, it went down the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't die, man. We need you for next week. <laughs> I tried to make that sound all really suave and cool. Eh? You did not succeed. <laughs> <laughs> man, you're really going for it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, that's not a joke. I know. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. I've got to end it now. i got to get some water. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess. I hope I'll see you next week. <laughs> see you, Steve. See you. <laughs>